What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the Sporadic Podcast, where I talk about life, role-playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head, but mostly role-playing games. Because even if you don't have any friends, you can still play with yourself, and it's totally natural. Me again, that's right. Okay, so today, you know, we're going to talk about some stuff. I have a new segment of Reading Rainbow, and we'll... We'll get into why I, there's already a new segment of Reading Rainbow out. Um, I'll talk about what I've been doing gaming-wise because it's different than what I'm normally doing gaming-wise. I got a few calls from Jason uh, where we'll talk about all kinds of stuff. And then at the end of the show, I have a call from Spencer of Keep Off the Borderlands. He's going to talk about Apocalypse World and Index Card RPG. But more importantly... He's got a question, a question for our good friend Jules from NZ. So stay tuned for all of that. It's going to be awesome. But let's get into some gaming talk. What do you do when all the games you play with people get canceled? (laughs) What do you do then? You play with yourself. (laughs) That's right. So the timing kind of worked out perfectly because... Yeah, like, so all three of the games I was supposed to play recently all got canceled for different reasons and stuff. Uh, And at the same time, Jason, on his most recent uh, System Sunday, did an episode on the Sandbox Generator by Atelier uh, Clandestine. And I was like, oh, that sounds really, really cool. Let me check that out. And it's awesome. I I just want to say these folks did. It's really, really cool. And and for a book, a PDF, that's pretty much all tables. (laughs) The vast majority of this book is tables. It's done in the way where it works with the screen reader because the tables aren't in columns and rows. They're all one line. So one the first entry is one and then a couple spaces and then what one is. And then the next line is two, what two is. So they're not done in columns and rows. So the screen reader won't read just one column and then read the rows. It's, it's awesome, man. It's super accessible, super usable as well, which like I've talked about before are two different things. So I've been using it and granted doing stuff like this, which you know, even with a screen reader, it still behooves me to have the PDF up and use magnification when I need to. So it, 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 it takes a lot uh, out of me. It's, it's pretty draining, but it was a lot of draining in a good way. Um, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I put together, I pretty much finished putting together the first seven hexes. I, you know, you start with the center hex, which is where the village is, and then the first hex up from there, uh, that's where the first dungeon is, and then you go around clockwise around the outside of the hex and produce a total of six hexes around the original hex for a total of seven hexes to start with. And you roll for biome, you roll for different features, what's what's happening in there. And it's it's been a lot of fun. I really, really like it. It's it's cool. Like some of the stuff that I rolled up randomly just it worked out so well together. Like one hex, there is 
a ghost house that has a mystery to solve in it. And the mystery fits perfectly with everything else that's going on there. Um, and it leaves so much room for creativity. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's a really good product. It's a really, really solid, solid product for if you want to do some, some world building. If you, you know, if you just want to sit down for a day and roll up some dice and build yourself a world, it's awesome. The only thing, um, the only thing I need that I can't figure yet, I'm still pondering it, is a way to to build up the hex map and use the different symbols and stuff. That I don't know. I've taken a look at a couple different hex map maker programs, I think, at least one or two, and they I just haven't they're they're even the simple ones are I think probably a little bit outside of my wheelhouse. So given enough time, I'm sure I could figure it out. But yeah, so I'm I'm trying to figure out thinking how I could do it on roll 20. Yeah, I don't know. That that's what I'm working on, but that's what I just wanted to say that that sandbox generator that Jason talked about on his episode by Altelier Games um or Altelier uh, clandestine. <laughs> let me uh, let me tell you guys how to spell that because that would probably help, right? Um, let me just bring it up real quick. It is uh, A T E L I E R Atelier clandestine is the name of the company. It's on drive-through. It's 12 bucks American. I think it's totally worth it. I had a fun night last night putting this little mini world together. Uh, there's a ton of adventuring just because of the things I rolled. Uh, there's actually two dungeons. I haven't even started rolling on the second dungeon. I'm pretty, I think I'm done rolling on the first dungeon. Um, and this is, I don't have any other OSR rule set, right? So I don't have the mo the stats for any of these monsters or the rule set or anything like that. I'm just strictly rolling on these tables because it doesn't really matter what rule set you're using with this thing. It's pretty system agnostic and general enough. Uh, and it, it's, it's just fun, man. Like it, it's a cool, it's a cool product. So if you're looking for something like that, check it out. It's pretty dope. All right. That's, uh, what's next? Let's do some calls. I think I got some calls. No, I do. Hey, Joe, Jason here. I love first perspective books. I love that first person where, you know, you're just seeing it through and, and being told what's happening through the eyes of the main character, usually the main character, although sometimes it's not. But, yeah, I, that might be my favorite style for fiction, to be honest. So, yep. Yeah, like I said in my previous episode, it's been a long time since I've read a first-person perspective book, and it's cool, man. I, 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 I've been into it. I'm well over halfway done now. I'm probably three-quarters of the way done. But... I, 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 I've taken a pause because I started reading a new book. So there's a YouTube guy out there that I'm sure 
some folks might be familiar with. Um, he's the name of the YouTube channel is Shadiversary, like University, but Shad is this dude's first name, so it's Shadiversary. Uh, and he talks about like medieval times and quote unquote how things really were back then. And he's got some very strong opinions about the way weapons were used. Not no like yeah, the way weapons and torches and stuff were used. Um, not opinions about like political stuff, but just yeah. So he I was just kind of flipping through YouTube and in one of his videos he talked about how in two thousand nineteen he released his first fantasy novel and the audiobook is read by Michael Kramer and Kate Redding who are two of my most favorite fantasy narrators. I think they're amazing. They do the Wheel of Time series. They do the Stormlight Archive series. I, I just love those two together. They're brilliant, and I, I had to get it. <laughs> it's called uh, Shadows of the Conqueror, which is the first book in the series that's called Chronicles of the Everfall uh, by Shad something or other. If you look the name of the book up, you can figure it, figure it out. But the premise of the book is um, this tyrant emperor dude who controlled you know a vast, vast empire and reigned it with an iron fist. Uh, thought he was doing good for the world, but actually was a major asshole for the past 20 years, everybody thought he was dead, but he's actually been living in, he's the main character. So this isn't a spoiler. <laughs> this is the main character. He's actually been living in exile for 20 years. And now he's off on a mission to go end it. Right. He's, he's tired of living. He feels super guilty. He's come to realize that the way he was, was horrible. And there's no, there's no redemption for him. You know, death would be too easy of a way out. So he's just lives with the torturous guilt, whether or not you buy that rationale. That's that's entirely up to you. But that's that's how the book kicks off. He's like, I'm an old ass man. Did some gnarly shit. Now I'm off to go end it. End it. I'm, I'm tired of being alive. And I've just started reading it. And it's Kate Redding and Michael Kramer. So I am just absolutely enthralled with it. The The writing is okay. The story is pretty neat. I, I like the premise. I think it's cool. Not Maybe not the most original thing in the world. But what I like about it is it's a, it's a very high fantasy, high magic setting. But he's really thought about it in sort of like real world type terms. Cause this guy has, he's very well educated in medieval European culture and how things work. So he's really thought about it in those terms. What would it be like if there was healing magic? You know, there would probably be no doctors. So if you weren't by somebody who could heal, you know, the common cold could kill you because there's, there'd be no sort of progression in medicine. If you could just heal with magic. That, you know, that's a theory, right? Maybe there would be, maybe there wouldn't be. But that's that's the premise he sort of goes with, is what I'm gathering. Uh, and I, 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 I think it's cool. <laughs> I like high magic. I like high fantasy. Um, there are, you know, sky ships in this setting. Um, 
what else? There, I don't know if there are guns. I don't think there are guns. It's not steampunk at all. Uh, it's not. Even though I said skyships, they're powered by magic with these things called sunstones and darkstones. That's how everything is powered. They've, you know, magical scientists found this one ore called Darkstone, which reacts to light. So they figured out ways to capture light into these crystals. And then in combinations, you could make energy, basically, right? That's the idea. So they, they have, you know, Darkstone-powered land vehicles, skyships. Uh, there's a whole class of basically, like, monster hunters. Because you think in a fantasy world where there's a bunch of monsters there would probably be a group of dedicated people who go out and hunt monsters and not adventurers right we've talked about adventurers in a world where there really are monsters but there'd probably also just be people dedicated to eradicating these horrible horrible monsters (laughs) so it's it's an interesting setting um you know i i don't always agree with this dude in terms of his his opinions on stuff. I think he's an interesting guy and the book is fun and it's just read by two of my favorite narrators of all time. So it feels like it fits in the world with those other series. It really feels like it fits into the world of the Stormlight Archives, which is a one an epic fantasy series by Brandon Sanderson. I, I read the first three books of those. I don't know if the fourth one is out. It probably is. It probably came out like a couple years ago and I just didn't see it um but the magic system in shadow of the conqueror is reminiscent sort of to the magic system in the stormlight archive uh and they use (laughs) some of the same like uh epithets like light blind you light blind me light blind you they they say that in both series so and the fact that the narrators are the same for both it very much feels like it's in that universe which that tickles my fancy. I like that, man. It isn't first person, though, but I will... <clears throat> excuse me. I will get back to The Ripper Shadow if this book really starts to bore me or if I finish it because I was really enjoying The Ripper Shadow and I, wa- I want to see where it ends because there's been some major revelations, right? Some major stuff just came to light <laughs> where you're like, oh, damn, okay. That's the way you're going with that, huh? All right, Laura Joe. Um, but yeah, good stuff, man. Shadow of the Conqueror. If you love, which not very many people out there do, <laughs> you know, I, well, probably not that listen to my show, even though <laughs> the analytics for Anchor are the most ridiculous thing of all time. Uh, I, I don't think they're based on any sort of real science, but as I was putting this thing episode together because now i got to do part of it on my laptop and part of it on my phone blah 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 but it shows the stats on the dashboard when i first logged in and it shows my audience size is like 550 it's like dude get okay if there are 550 of y'all out there listening to me right now that is amazing we should all get together and have the biggest sweetest party ever we'll it'll be wild we'll get buck wild with it anyway dude you got <laughs> you got more stuff to say um what are you talking about now i i honestly can't remember so let's get to it 
Hey, Joe, Jason here. Reference, we're talking about the old school dungeon crawl that you're playing in and how you felt like you were cheating when you figured the trap out. Can, can you identify any better why you felt you were cheating? Was it because you weren't rolling dice to solve it? I don't know. I mean, that's the whole thing with player skill, right? So you could go through, provided you don't have a random encounter in a combat, um, although you can talk your way out of combat, so really, you could go through an old school game easily, player skill game, very easily without rolling dice. You know, um, if you get into combat or conflict or something, you might need to roll dice, and the DM might roll some dice to adjudicate some things, but or they might not. But you, as a player, could really go pretty far without rolling dice if you make a lot of smart decisions. And you know, that's part of that player skill, and that's kind of why, like attributes, don't matter in the old games because. You know, it's not about that. So, I don't know. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. I wish my schedule let me play in that game. I know the game you're talking about. But my schedule just sucks right now. So, anyway, let me listen to the rest of the show. Yeah, you know, like, that's just my just guilty conscience that I just live with. Why I felt like I cheated when I solved the puzzle. Because uh, I was the first one to do it, I guess, you know, maybe the other people thought that I'd look something up, even though there's not a look up. I don't know why, man. I just do when I solve st- stuff like that. And I shouldn't. That That's a that's a character flaw of mine. Um, but yeah, like, seriously, you could easily go through. I, I haven't rolled that many. Di- I've only played in a few sessions of that game so far. Just two, actually. Um, And I haven't rolled very many dice, which is cool. But I I do miss rolling dice. And I think that's part of the reason why I prefer uh, more modern games um, than I do the the older games. Because I I like rolling dice. (laughs) I do. I like the game aspect of it. it's a different style of game right because you're the other one is like more of a mind game i'm trying to think i'm trying to solve but you know you're all like it's ah, it's so like meta right um am i supposed to ignore everything i know about the dungeon master and how they might run games and use traps and stuff like that or do you not think about that and just it it see it's 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 tricky right how into it or out of it do you get it's fun it's a lot of fun i enjoy it it's a definitely a different style of game uh but yeah it'd be fun if you could make it and hopefully one of these days your schedule you know work out so you can at least once or twice just like me but yeah man um or maybe we can go to a show together, you know, one of these days. If you're ever out here, we can go to a show because that's what you're talking about next. You're, I mentioned in my last episode that I saw my buddy Jake's band, Smoky Topaz. I saw them play last weekend at the time of recording. And I mentioned how the band, the dude on stage before my buddy's band went up, had a Lord of the Rings song and I nobody else got it. And I, I just felt like there were no gamers there that gamers in the music don't mix but jason he's got a different theory so jason what's up man hey joe just finished the show and um 
yeah, I wonder if, you know, there probably are role players there, but I wonder if they just don't want to mix the two. I wonder if they, they're worried other, you know, they might be uncool. I wonder if there's still that stigma, right? So it's kind of like, you know, I mean, Carl goes to a lot of shows, um, but does Carl identify as a role player when he's at those shows? I don't know. Carl, call in and tell us. But, yeah, I, I have to wonder if it, it is a stigma, because I see role-playing across all kinds of things, from friggin' dudes doing motorcycle videos to, you know, comedy teams to all kinds of places. So I don't know that it has a stigma it did, but I wonder if people worry that it has a stigma that it used to, you know? I don't know. Oh, when you were talking about you got the package from Amazon, I thought maybe you were going to get some magic cards and have some Pickerton's come to your house. Oh, well. Maybe next time. Yeah, Carl, you'll have to call in and let us know. Do you do you see other gamers when you go to shows? Can you tell? Do you ever bring a, it up? I mean, probably not. Like, But I'm thinking maybe before the show, when you're hanging out at the bar, if you're seeing them at like a venue or waiting in line to get into a stadium or something, let us know, man. Because like I said, I've, I've been seeing Jake's shows for like 20 years. I, I've never, <laughs> I've never met another gamer in that crew uh, going to those shows. But then again, I've never really put my gamer tag out on my sleeve or anything like that. So who knows, man? Um, let us know. Anyone who goes to shows, have you met other gamers out at shows? Jules, you used to play in a bunch of shows. Uh, do. You were were you gaming back then? Did people know about it? Did you meet gamers? Let us know. Everybody wants to know. Um, and speaking of things we know, one thing that we know is that Jason loves ICRPG, and so he's calling to defend ICRPG's honor. Um, which I hope I didn't besmirch at all. I wasn't trying to. When I talked about how I felt, it feels different to me. To me, it feels more different to a standard RPG than Apocalypse World does to me. For whatever reason. When I picked up Apocalypse World, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. That This is how you play it. It's just like any other game. Uh, but with ICRPG, it just felt more prescriptive and almost board gamey than I was looking for in an RPG though. I still enjoy it. Like I said, I've had a lot of fun playing, uh, playing ICRPG. I think it's a fun system. Uh, Jason ran an amazing Halloween game. I had a blast playing in that. It's, it's a fun system for sure. But yeah. So Jason, what's up, man? Hey Joe. Yeah. I, I think there's another call coming up about, apocalypse world and all that but to, to be fair to icrpg that's the way you see it run and that's the way like you know runehammer runs it but you don't have to run it that way right when i've run mystery games in icrpg when i've done colonial gothic games in icrpg i don't do that at all it, i may adjust the well you saw eric ran it and and i may adjust the target number you know during a scene, but I may not. But really, it flows like a normal game for those kind of games. You're, you're not going set piece to set piece. 
but I, I do realize that's a very big subset of ICRPG are those kind of games. So that's valid when watching YouTube videos and, and even like the Halloween game I ran. So, yeah, you are right. There was another call coming in about Apocalypse World, but but it's not from Jason. <laughs> anyway, man, not totally. I'll understand. And our next caller, Spencer of Keep Off the Borderlands. That's right. He's back. Uh, he'll he'll touch on this, too, where, you know, like you say, you don't have to run ICRPG that way in the scene to scene kind of set PC type of way. You can run it like a more traditional, if you will, role-playing game. So, yeah, that's that's absolutely fair, man. Um, but, yeah. And, again, I wasn't trying to put ICRPG down. I, I love I, I, I love Runehammer. That dude is amazing. ICRPG is a super fun game. And, yeah, Hankering for a Nail is a badass dude. <laughs> So thank you for that call. And speaking of badass dudes, let's get to Spencer. Because not only does he want to talk about Apocalypse World and ICRPG, he also has a question for Jules. And it's an important question. So let's get to it. Hi, Joe. Hope you're well. I just had to chime in on this Apocalypse World ICRPG comparison. Um, I'm certainly going to go into more depth when I respond to the wonderful message you sent me. But I just wanted to clarify that um, I, I wasn't necessarily saying that Apocalypse World required a special kind of GM. I just think it's a shift in the emphasis of play and that it shares an awful lot of its DNA with uh, rules like OSR games that I like my issues with it were more about just the change in terminology when describing stuff and I think I agree with you with ICRPG but what I think what you need to understand there is that that is very much a toolkit uh, there are a lot of what I describe as gamey elements in there that you can take or leave and essentially what Runehammer is doing there is saying here's a neat way to do this here's a neat way to do that have you thought about approaching this this way and you know what I mean it's it's a book of great ideas for streamlining different elephant elephants different elements very much focused on maintaining maintaining the momentum of play and if that's not an issue for you as a GM, then I can see why you might find a lot of the ideas in there as being superfluous, maybe. I don't know. I'm making assumptions about what you don't like about it. But I don't think the intention is for you to use all those ideas. Whereas, say, something like Apocalypse World is very stripped back. It's a bit more prescriptive in how it's instructing you how to play it whereas again icrpg is very much more throwing suggestions at you for how you might want to uh, keep up momentum increase pressure that kind of stuff just keep things moving um i also wanted to respond to jules's call thanks for chiming in there jules and i will get around to watching that film 
onward, I promise. But what she was saying there about hot dogs, I was very much thrown by hot dogs when I encountered them in New Zealand because they were on sticks. Whereas here in the UK, a hot dog is a sausage, preferably German, in a bun. And what Jules is describing there that she's picking up from the fashion chap shop is what we here would call a battered sausage. Which leads me to wonder, what do they call a sausage in a bun? And that, Julia, is the question. (laughs) What do you call when a hot dog, when it's a sausage in a bun? Because over here, we would call that a hot dog or a sausage, whatever. But for this discussion, we call it a, a hot dog and... A hot dog with batter that has then been fried and put on a stick, that we would call a corn dog. So what I wasn't clear on is, Spencer, is a battered sausage, is that on a stick? I I guess it is, but I'm not 100% sure. So there you go, Jules. Sausage in a bun, what do you call it? <laughs> I know what I call it. Oh, man. Anyway, no, absolutely, Spencer. It is a toolkit. And again, there's nothing I don't like about ICRPG. It just feels different to me. Not in a bad way, just in a different way. Because I don't think when people, you know, like when Jason's saying it takes a different type of DM to run Apocalypse World, I don't think he's saying that in a negative way. Maybe I'm wrong, but I really don't think so. And I, I don't, I certainly don't mean in a negative way. It's just... As far as running it goes, I would feel I would have to leave so much out, probably. Then it's like, well, am I really playing ICRPG? Then we get into that whole (laughs) how many how many things can you remove before it's the game? That old chestnut of a discussion. But that's not what we're getting into. We're talking about hot dogs. That's what's the real deal. Holy field is. But yeah, Spence, thank you for that call. I'm excited for your next episode. I'm glad I gave you some fodder for it because I like it when you put episodes out, dude. I do. It's good. I'm glad that you're doing it again because I think they're fun. So there. Uh, All right, let me get out of here. All right. Well, thank you so much to my callers, Jason of Nerds RPG Variety Cast and Spencer of Keep Off the Borderlands. You dudes are awesome. Uh, This is a fun episode, man. Thanks, guys. Because I did. I really wanted to talk about uh, the sandbox generator. And you guys gave me more stuff to make an actual whole show out of it. So that's awesome. Because that sandbox is really cool. I didn't get back into it today. Because one, I just started reading that book today, and then two, I stumbled across <laughs> what is probably the best use of AI that there can be. Um, it's the pinnacle of AI, and it is an AI YouTube show of Joe Rogan running a 5e campaign for. <laughs> Who is it? It's Elon Musk, Gordon Ramsay, Donald Trump, and Samuel L. Jackson. 
and it is without a doubt the greatest thing Joe Rogan has ever done. Like, that's the scary thing about AI, right? Like, this is better than anything else Joe Rogan has ever done. It's, it's an, he's an amazing dungeon master. <laughs> it, it's wild what this shit can do, man. It's absolutely wild. You can't, I mean, you probably can, but it sounds a lot like you can hear that it's not actually a live person talking, right? There is still that uncanny valley, but it does sound really smooth. It is pretty goddamn smooth, and it sounds like somebody running a game of D&D, and it's pretty friggin' wild, man. Uh, but that's what I dove into. There's seven episodes out as of right now, which is the end of towards the end of April of 2023. Uh, who knows if I'll keep watching it or if they keep out putting out more episodes. But I watched all seven episodes. So each one of them's like 10, 12 minutes long. Uh, so I did that today. But that shit AI is just wild. It's absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, that's it. Jules, I hope to hear from you. What do you call a hot dog in a bun? Or a sausage in a bun? Is that a hot dog? I don't know. The world is dying to know. But it's getting late, folks. I'm going to hit the hay. Got another long day tomorrow. So until we talk again next time, folks, take care of yourselves. Take care of somebody else. It's rough out there. Stay hydrated. The world's going to get better. Someday it will. And that's a good thing to think about. And we'll talk soon. But until we do, peace out.